So I think focusing on um, the whole foods, the greens, um, vegetables, that's going to be really important in not only healing and repairing, but also fighting off disease. following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. What is up everyone and welcome to the Diabetes Podcast where we discuss how to take control of your health and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Gary Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe, who is a board-certified chiropractic internist. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode with Dr. Grady and I. This is a continuation of conversation that we were having last episode on the immune system. And last time we were talking more about what is immune compromise in terms of diabetes and what that really means and those types of risk factors. But today we wanted to continue that conversation in terms of how we can support our immune system, what things to think about uh, regarding that topic, as well as maybe some takeaways uh, on easy takeaways of what we can do to support that immune system. So Dr. Grady and I are chiropractors and we have a very holistic approach, which means we think about the whole body as one and always thinking about, you know, what, what really works together. So when we come think about the immune system, Grady, what do you think about our ways to support that immune system from that holistic approach? Yeah, so that's exactly what you need to keep in mind is the whole system as it works together. So the entire organism and all the different components and how they're working together to help fight off disease and get rid of it out of your body. So you have to get a full picture of what's going on. So with any one person, you take what makes them up. So all their symptoms, how their body's functioning, and you try and piece together what systems are not functioning right. And then you can create strategies to help support those systems so that they wait, that way they can function better and that way you can eliminate disease much more efficiently. It's not necessarily just about specifically targeting the immune system because if you do that, then other systems can back up. So what I mean by that is if you're only worried about killing a certain infection, then what can happen is when you kill those things, those infectious agents dump their toxins into the body because you're killing them and they're releasing all their debris and waste products and toxins into the body and you still have to get rid of those things. So your detoxification, your elimination systems are very important in getting those things out of the body so that way they don't cause more destruction throughout. So you mentioned a couple systems just right there about you know how we can support the immune system but you know on top of your head Dr. Grady, what is, let's focus on one. Let's kind of get a little more specific. So what's one system that is intertwined with the immune system and, and how do we support it? Yeah, so let's start by looking at something that's very foundational, and that is the barrier systems. So when I say barrier systems, I'm talking about 
the skin, the GI tract, the lungs, because those are the barriers from the outside world to the inside of your body. And so making sure that those have good integrity is really important because obviously if there's some openings there, the bacteria or whatever it is, have an easy access to your system and can then have a easy way of infecting you. So making sure that those have good integrity is a high priority. Um, that's step one. So yeah. some things that you wanna look out for or make sure that you're doing is one, very simply, hydration. Hydration is very important for all of those barriers. Your lungs are very, need a lot of moisture because they have that mucus that they produce. Your GI tract also needs mucus secretions and that, that requires lots of water. And your skin is very affected by hydration levels. So mm. water, very foundational, very simple, but something that a lot of people either struggle with or forget about. And so that can be a problem for them. Absolutely. I, I know in, you know, the clinics that I'm in, I hear people talk about like, oh, I just, I just don't like water. And it's amazing yeah. when people just don't like the taste of water and don't consume the proper water about it and aren't properly hydrated. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, it seems so simple and so easy because it is, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, if you drink coffee, it's not just because it's made with water, it doesn't make it water just because you're having Gatorade doesn't make it water. Mm. And, and we need water for those systems that you mentioned, all the mucus and, and such. And, and uh, very easy thing, but very easy thing to forget as well. Mm -hmm. Another thing to pay attention to with the barrier systems is your omega-3 levels. So that, mm. and your fat levels, because that's very important for your skin and also your lungs and GI tract. If those aren't at sufficient levels, then um, those very systems begin to suffer very quickly. And, and I, for, I forgot, Dr. Grady, I have, I'm not sure if we've had a long discussion yet on omega-3s and 6s and, and those types of fats. I don't think we have yet at this mm -hmm. point, but I think that's a really great thing to point out, uh, omega-3 levels and, and essential fatty acids and those types of oils. Because like you're saying, it's important in that those mechanisms, it's important in inflammatory cascades and, and so much more in terms of just how our body makes hormones and those types of things. And in terms of our barrier system that we're talking about now, you know, definitely not the first thing people think about, but making sure those levels are good is really important. Do you ever uh, assess omega-3 status and versus omega-6 status with your patients? I haven't done a lot of the laboratory testing for it, but I do some in-house testing that helps me differentiate between um, if they need more um, DHA or EPA or maybe even some of the better omega-6s. Um, but yeah, not a lot of laboratory testing for that. Hmm. Okay. So in this conversation, the omega-3s then helps with the barrier system, like you were saying, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so another, a few other things you want to be aware of with the barrier systems is, especially in regards to the GI tract and the lungs, is actually NSAIDs. So NSAIDs are non-steroid anti-inflammatory uh, drugs, and they typically will inhibit the COX-2 enzyme. And that's also an enzyme that's important for mucus production, mucus secretions. And so when you're taking those medications that can inhibit those secretions and therefore affect those barrier systems and how well they're able to block pathogens from getting in. So that involves both the respiratory system, 
uh, in terms of the lungs for the COX-2 inhibition with those NSAIDs as well as the gut. Mm-hmm. And we could talk so much just about the gut as it by itself and, mm-hmm. and how it relates to the immune system. Uh, you know, the, about 7% of your immune system is held by your gut and the gut microbiome influences so much of our body and our immune system and just has this global effect because of the gut brain axis and what's called the vagal nerve and, and how it influences our body and then our central nervous system. And so, you know, probably a lot of people have heard about the importance of the gut and, you know, especially in recent years, because it's definitely gained popularity in recent years, but it definitely has this huge immune modulatory effect if your gut's out of whack. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and in terms of the microbiome or the diversity of bacteria and viruses and, and all these things that are in our gut and in our body, that needs to be balanced. And so without going into a huge, big discussion about it, essentially if that microbiome is out of whack, uh, which in a lot of people it is, whether it be because of birth through C-section or not a lot of exposure through breast milk when you were a baby or lots of antibacteria use or you know antibiotics, uh, which probably for most of us ends up how our gut microbiome gets all messed up is through mm-hmm. antibiotics use uh, and prolonged antibiotic use. But using probiotics is a great way to help that microbiome and then also then to help that immune system as mm-hmm. well in terms of uh, microbiome and then the barrier system as we're talking about. Because probiotic doesn't actually colonize. It doesn't actually stick with you. I think that's a misunderstanding by a lot of people in the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might hear about how the, you take a probiotic and it's good for you. And they hear the word pro and they know this balance thing and like, Oh, if I take probiotic that has live or bacteria components in it, it's supposed to like be in my gut. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's pretty proven how that's not the case and how it's beneficial, but it is beneficial nonetheless. And probiotics have antimicrobial, antifungal, and, you know, parasitic activity and just essentially helps fight against pathogens by taking it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really important in terms of talking about your immune system right there. It's just something that helps fight those things right away in a more immediate action, as well as it helps change gene expression specifically for the cells in your gut and your immune system. So it kind of upregulates anti-inflammatory components and genes as well as downregulates or downplays how much pro-inflammatory messengers and those types of genes that are being activated, mm-hmm. which are really important for the probiotic. And then you're, we're talking about in terms more of the actual integrity of these barriers, interior of the gut and intestinal permeability Probiotics have been shown to really help with just that permeability level or to help re reheal the gut lining um, and decrease the amount of permeability and how much access other things have to your body and your system through that intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing to talk about with that permeability, I like what you said, or I want to kind of build off of what you said with the gut brain connection, which is actually brain trauma. If you've had brain trauma in the past or even recently, it's been shown that um, brain trauma or concussions, they've watched patients and immediately after that, they have leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um, And so brain health is really important in the barrier systems as well. Right, exactly. Like you said, because of that gut-brain access. So not only can the gut influence the brain, but the brain influences the gut. Mm -hmm. And 
Grady, and I can't remember if it's just you and I that were talking or if it was actually on the podcast, but I, re- I remember reading a study of just talking about like public speaking and, yeah. and that type and, and how <laughs> public speaking has been shown to, because of anxiety that your yeah. brain can produce from it. And as well as other things as well as it wasn't just on public speaking, but how pu- public speaking can increase the permeability of your gut. Uh, and I just thought that was so fascinating and crazy that that was actually studied and put yeah. in a research article. Mm-hmm. It makes sense though. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. So probiotics and just in general are really, really good for your immune system and good for your gut and your microbiome. And you know, the probably the most studied in terms of probiotics out there are geniuses of the lactobacillus and bifidobacteria um, or, you know, just probiotics out there um, have really good um, data supporting the, these claims and the things we're talking about. And as well as there's a lot of data on just specifically how probiotics help with type two diabetes and insulin resistance as well mm-hmm. as um, in one study I've seen that probiotics actually helped decreased risk factors in newborns for type one diabetics as well. Oh, cool. So yeah, uh, super cool. So uh, probiotics and how it's influenced over the immune system, I think definitely can't be overstressed when talking about this systematic and this holistic approach to the helping your immune system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And since we're talking about the gut, I think it's really important to reiterate diet. So Mm. we talked a little bit about diet last time. Um, but making sure that you're not eating a lot of inflammatory foods or the foods that are, that are going to be destructive for your gut. So um, gluten has been shown to be very destructive for a lot of people um, on the gut lining and causing intestinal permeability. But also in regards to type 1 diabetics, dairy has been one of those that has been commonly shown for type 1 diabetics to be destructive in the gut. Not necessarily everybody but it seems like type one diabetics are more so susceptible to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just because of what we eat goes in our gut and therefore influences the health of our gut and that gut then influences our immune system, especially in, you know, today, right now it's, you know, it's late April uh, with everyone just talking about the immune system, including us and talking about COVID-19, what you eat is so important on the influence of your gut health and therefore your immune system through these kind of pathways that we're talking about. And, mm-hmm. and definitely something that, you know, I understand because sometimes I see people online right now talking about the stress of COVID-19 and there's lots of, lots of things to consider, you know, when it comes to the economic burden and, and situation we're all in right now, as well as just social pressures and a lot of things. And some people are saying, you know, if you eat, you know, if you eat, bread or if you, you know like you should be ashamed of what you're eating right now like go ahead and use lots of vegetable oil you know who actually promoted using vegetable oil which i thought was ridiculous. really <laughs> oh yeah and uh you know and, and all these other things that in terms of a chronic setting in terms of your body and your health aren't good at all and we definitely need to realize that yes we're in acute part of this situation right now a lot of people just trying to survive but at the same time because of how both immediate and chronic your food can affect your body your life your gut your immune system you know you still should be doing everything you can to be living as healthy as you can and eating as healthy as you can Mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing how fast your body can respond to the lifestyle changes like people i think feel like lifestyle changes are a such a slow process 
mm-hmm. um, at least in regards to your body changing. But mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's really amazing how fast it does change when you are very consistent and eating all the good foods that you need to and cutting out all the things that are kind of screwing you up. Um, So I think focusing on um, the whole foods, the greens, um, vegetables, that's going to be really important in not only healing and repairing, but also fighting off disease. And um, one thing I want to point out, especially with diabetics, but really anyone in general, Eating, if you're really worried about infectious disease, so like AKA right now, eating a diet that's low in sugar really helps. I wouldn't necessarily say boosting your immune system, but keeping your immune system healthy because a high sugar diet um, really suppresses your immune system. Yeah, absolutely. And this can even then bridge into a conversation just about insulin resistance in the immune system um, Mm -hmm. and what we're eating and, and, how what we eat has effect on insulin resistance. And uh, there are plenty of things to talk about regarding that subject. I think you were even mentioning last, you know, podcast we released, was it like 100 grams? What were you saying about 100 grams of, of sugar? Yeah, so 100 grams of carbohydrates reduces your uh, neutrophilic activity, so your white blood cells, um, and their ability to achieve phagocytosis. Mm. Um, and that effect from that high carb can start at 30 minutes after the meal and it can last more than five hours. So if you're constantly eating a high carbohydrate, high sugar diet, then your body is being suppressed to some degree all the time. Right. And, and that's a very, that in that study, you know, that's a very immediate look at how carbohydrates, not necessarily insulin resistance, because that's more of a chronic thing, but how carbohydrates can decrease your body's immune system and ability to fight, you know, mm-hmm. infections, like you were saying, but and there's lots of models to insulin resistance. You know, we described probably the most common model and what insulin resistant actually means in, in previous episodes. But, you know, if we think about insulin resistance in terms of uh, just simply your body's lack of ability to respond to insulin and that mechanism is broken. Uh, there's a lot of, things that influence that. And it's, a, it's not that insulin resistance necessarily causes immune dysregulation, but rather if you have insulin resistance, it's present that you have immune dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of times in the pathways and potential mechanisms of how insulin resistance happens is pro-inflammatory cytokines or pro-inflammatory messengers, which are created by definition from your immune system essentially block the signaling cascade or your signaling pathway once insulin binds to its receptor to do the job it's supposed to do. It's almost like if insulin were to bind to a receptor and then it does everything it needs to in the cell, that it's almost as if pro-inflammatory messengers from your immune system acts as a guard in terms of basketball. So it's like insulin is, is the basketball, and, but yet the pro-inflammatory messengers and cytokines block your shot. And so it stops the insulin from actually going downstream and doing whether it be activating GLUT4 or whether, whatever insulin is doing in that particular moment. Those cytokines stop insulin and that mechanism from working by definition is that insulin resistance. Nice. And I like that visual. Yeah. I, was, I thought, well, originally I was thinking about it when as more as somebody shooting garbage into a garbage can and somebody just rolling through <laughs> and, and blocking it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't know how to say that in 
right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> so I just used basketball <laughs> as a real mechanism and a real blocker. But uh, anyways, so and insulin resistance has a lot to do, not all the time, but in terms of there's a clear connection with insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction or um, dysregulation that is present in obesity, you know, and obesity and the immune system is so tightly wound up. And I just wanted to, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole by any means right now. So we're just trying to stay focused on supporting your immune system. I guess, you know, almost to summarize, there are a lot of things that impact insulin resistance, whether it be uh, pro-inflammatory messengers from your adipose tissue and from obesity or from plenty of other sources, whether it be increasing carbohydrate, refined carbohydrate intake or whatever we're going to talk about. These things all impact your body's metabolism and impact your immune system. And I think that's, we can't overstep that point either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And kind of along those lines, eating consistent meals, I think is very important, especially what we're dealing with right now with crazy schedules, people's schedules are changing or they're all, all over the place because they're having to take care of their kids now or whatever is going on. Their schedule is kind of off whack. And so their eating schedule can be off kilter. Or sometimes I know I've talked to several people, they either forget to eat or they're so busy with all these other things that they don't eat for most of the day. Um, and that can cause a lot of stress too because of um, because eventually you have stress hormones that kick in to help keep your blood sugar up if you haven't been eating. And so eating consistent meals will help reduce that stress and also make sure your body's getting the nutrients that it needs to fight off disease. Absolutely. And you, we can almost then, because we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole, uh, <laughs> but you can almost then tie that into another system, which is your stress response system or, you know, mm -hmm. your adrenal axis. Yeah. Right. And, and so keeping that, that stress and that cortisol down and supporting your adrenal system and, and those axes are really important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. This, the whole stress response um, is a very important thing to think about when you're looking at trying to keep your immune system functioning at its highest level, because you're, when you're stressed, you're not necessarily worried about pathogens coming in and affecting you. You're worried about getting away from the tiger versus um, infections. And so your body is going to be suppressing your immune system. And at the same time, when you're in a stressed state, you're also going to be su suppressing some of those things we talked about before, like the mucus secretions in your gut. And so we, we've already kind of highlighted how that can affect your barrier systems and how things get in. But like I said, stress overall will suppress your immune system. And I think we talked about that a lot on the last one. So focus on things you can do to reduce that stress. So we've already talked about getting consistent meals in. So reducing that stress, making sure that your blood sugar levels are good. So whether you're a diabetic type one, type two, or even just a normal human being, making sure that your blood sugar is at a good level and a consistent level, because that reduces the stress on the rest of your body. But then also the mental emotional component of things. So like I said, this is a crazy time. We're in a crazy different environment. So some people are at home from work or working from home. And so they've got kids that are running around and are trying to get work done or even just the simple fact of being in a different environment and trying to get your work done is really stressful. But then you also have people that maybe have been laid off because of the coronavirus. And so 
Um, that's very stressful, obviously. So working on your mental, emotional um, stress levels is really important. So doing things like meditation or breathing exercises, or um, I think we talked a lot about a lot of different things you can do in our first or second podcast. But do you have any other ones that you'd like to highlight on stress reduction? I mean, I just think really, really focusing uh, on sleep. I, I know you already said that, but just continue to reemphasize that of getting the good amount and quality of sleep is so important right now. And, and that will impact that stress reduction. So not just when are you in bed, but you know, are you on your phone before bed? Are you mm-hmm. scrolling through Facebook or YouTube before bed? You know, are you going straight from working on your computer to bed? Are you dealing with a million things, you know, and the quality of your sleep is so important and, and whether we need to be really more protective, myself included. I, I am <laughs> offender number one when it yeah. comes to sacrificing sleep. But it, I think right now more, more than ever is making sure that that room is peaceful and dark and whether it's white sound or no sound or no electronics in it, you know, just making sure you prioritize your sleep right now is super important on top of all the breath work on top, on top of meditation techniques and um, even petting puppies, <laughs> you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. that's a great stress reduction technique right there. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I want to highlight or reiterate that, that sleep is your most important foundation for stress reduction. So like Garrett said, making sure that your room is dark because even if your eyes are closed, your body still can has a way of sensing that there's light in the room. And so it has a harder time getting into the deep sleep. Um, and like you talked about reducing screen time before you go to bed. So I think ideally you, you would like to see no screen time one to two hours before bed. Some people that's really hard to do. So, you know, shooting for at least one hour before bed, no screen time, maybe just sit down, read a book, read an article, whatever you like to read. Or if you really have a hard time going to sleep, reading something that's really boring and that can really help put you, put you to sleep and, you know, reduce, maybe even reducing your caffeine, caffeine intake even throughout the day, because that can really affect your sleep. Even people who say, well, I can go to sleep just fine. Um, when I drink caffeine, it's not necessarily going to sleep. It's the, also the quality of sleep. It's not only how much sleep you're getting, but the quality that you are getting in that time. Um, so pay attention to those things because those things are really important. And if you implement some of those strategies, um, it'd be interesting to see how, how much your quality of sleep changes. Absolutely. So kind of tying back, you know, now we've kind of touched on the barrier system in terms of know the lungs the gut and we kind of start talking about then your stress response system your adrenal access as systems what are and a little bit about insulin resistance so what are some other systems then you know we can kind of think about then uh, to help support our immune system Um, I think a big one that we talked about last time is the lymphatic system so that's Mm -hmm. actually part of your immune system and that's really helpful in fighting infections but also clearing out Uh, toxicity and uh, cellular waste away from the tissues so that way those cells can function at their optimal level. Um, So we talked about last time that typically your lymphatic system overall doesn't drain well when you have 
um, anterior head carriage or that forward rounded shoulders because that really tightens down your thoracic inlet, inlet, which is that area just behind your clavicle. And when that area is really tight, you will have a hard time draining that lymphatic system back into the circulatory system. And so uh, making sure that you have good posture when you're sitting, but also I think the most effective thing or most effective strategy that I've found for getting those areas to loosen up and get your lymphatic system draining better is actually chiropractic adjustments. Um, I get a lot of good results with people and their lymphatic system when we adjust them and get those muscles activating better so that way their lymphatic system can drain. That's actually something that's really foundational for a lot of people, even people who aren't necessarily sick, but they also have like a lot of pain and tenderness and soreness, especially after they work out or, or even just overall pain, tenderness and soreness, um, getting them adjusted and working on a few exercises that really help open up those areas and get that lymphatic system flowing. So what are some of those exercises? Um, just because we can't adjust somebody through, through a podcast. Yeah, no, it's kind of hard. Yeah. So doing things like Bruger exercises. So Bruger exercises are essentially in short, it's pinching your shoulder blades down and back and really opening up the chest and squeezing with the back muscles. I usually have people do like 10 second holds, like three sec, three sets of 10 seconds and do that really as often as you can. So if you know you're going to be sitting for a long period of time, I usually have people set a timer on their phone, like every 20, 30 minutes, get up, do those, and then you can go back to your work. It's also kind of a nice mental break. So that way you can jump back into your work and get going again. Nice. Nice. Okay. So that burger exercise really helps open that up and, and help that lymphatic flow. Uh, and so, yeah, lymph for sure is important when it comes to your, your immune system, making sure that's flowing well, whether you're just also moving your body overall and just getting that skeletal muscle moving or those specific exercises where those lymph ends up draining uh, back into your circulatory system. But that then ties in because lymph system, which is part of your immune system, literally drains into then your circulatory system, right? Yep. Yeah, so it drains into the circulatory system. So that way, all, the, all that debris, all, all the things that are being killed um, in the lymph nodes, um, like we talked about before, when things are killed off, they um, release their toxins, release their waste products. And so that all those things, whether it's your debris or the infections debris, all those things need to be de detoxified and gotten rid of. And so that's why it dumps into the circulatory system. So that way it can be sent to the liver, detoxified, and then sent through the elimination systems. So you can get rid of all those toxins, all that debris. And so that way the um, toxicity doesn't build up in the body and that way your cells can function at their optimal level. You know, right there, we're just tied in a really good picture of, of how that lymph ties into that circulatory, which ties into detoxifying and elimination, right? Mm -hmm. So you painted a great picture there uh, of, of how that works. So then how do we then support um, a better circulatory system and an elimination system then to, to get rid of and excrete those waste products? Exercise. Exercise is huge in regards to the uh, circulatory system, obviously. Um, you quickly mentioned before the lymphatic system also is really helped by muscle activation. It moves that fluid through the lymphatic vessels uh, much more efficiently. Also, you want to look at your diet. We've talked about that a bunch already, 
but your diet has a huge impact on that circulatory system and its health of, of that. But then also your liver health, and that's kind of a part of that picture. But your liver health has a lot to do with your cardiovascular system's health because that's where fats and cholesterols are produced and packaged away. And um, so that has a big play in that as well. But also your focusing on your inflammatory levels. So we've talked about inflammation and in the gut. And so that can be a source of inflammation, but then also toxic exposure. So the toxins in your environment, whether that's the water, um, your air that you're breathing, or what you're putting on your skin or what's being exposed on your skin that's being absorbed, those things can create a lot of inflammation in the body. And when you have a lot of inflammation in the body, that can be very destructive for your cardiovascular system and can create a lot more situations where plaquing can occur and affect the circulation throughout the whole body. So yeah, making sure your cardiovascular health and that inflammation for that placking is really important to help move all that down. And then obviously, you know, the conversation in cardiovascular vascular health is a completely different conversation yeah. than what we're talking about right now. But in terms of just inflammation and, you know, I always hear on the news, people talking about things that are anti-inflammatory and good for your heart is always things like red wine. And I always think that's funny uh, <laughs> when they bring that up. And, and the reason why red wine is talked about um, for that's good for your heart and good for anti-inflammatory is because of something called resveratrol. Mm -hmm. And resveratrol is that antioxidant, uh, polyphenol in the skin of red grapes. And therefore that's how the connection between, between wine and, and anti-inflammatory and good for your heart is, is that that polyphenol that's in the skin of the grape, that's also in the skins of berries and plenty of other plants as well, is just resveratrol. And resveratrol is, is thought to be as immune modulator um, as well by interfering with pro-inflammatory signals and, and cytokines. So opposed to like a direct antioxidant, like, you know, let's say vitamin C or glutathione, resveratrol acts by interfering with the communication between immune cell like a Treg cell and pro-inflammatory signals by disrupting that and that disrupting that expression communication. So it's anti-inflammatory almost by like a second degree by stopping that pro-inflammatory signal from even happening. Um, as well as specifically resveratrol has been shown to have some anti-microbial um, and some therapeutic benefit for some respiratory infections um, and COPD patients and things like that. So um, supporting your cardiovascular health by drinking wine, or in other words, by consuming resveratrol uh, is also a great way supporting that cardiovascular system, as well as directly impacting that immune system as well. Yeah. And I know this is a bit of a tangent and you can resume your anti-inflammatory, but you mentioning wine remind, reminded me of a topic I want to talk about, which is alcohol and alcohol's effect on various systems that, re that help with fighting off disease. And so alcohol obviously is going to affect your liver. And we've already talked about how that's important for clearing out toxins. And so if your body's busy doing that, or your liver's busy doing that, then it's going to have a harder time fighting off that infection. But also its effect on your gut lining. So your mucus secretions suffer because of alcohol. Also, when we look at the effect on the brain, and we talked about the gut, gut brain connection and how that can play a role in intestinal permeability and things like that. So 
So I think the point I want to make after you making the point about wine is not necessarily to try to get a bunch of resveratrol from wine um, and saying, oh, I drank this bottle of wine because I'm fighting inflammation. More so, it has those properties in it, um, but don't go too crazy with it. Yeah, I think that's a, a very important reminder because obviously when anything like that in the news, everyone's like, oh, okay. And then they actually start drinking red wine like at 9 a.m. On, yeah. on the news show, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, uh, and yeah, so that, definitely everything in moderation, especially now, even if you are in your home more often right now, uh, it might be tempting to drink more, but uh, you know, definitely keeping that in check in terms of what is better for my immune system and, and, and considering that when you're making those types of decisions. Mm. But I think the resveratrol, I just love that whether you get it from grapes and eating berries or you do get it from wine or you take it as a supplement, uh, resveratrol not only helps as that anti-inflammatory mechanism, but, and also that, you know, antibacterial and as a therapy for that, but as well as helps with insulin resistance as well, mm. which I think as a, as a diabetes podcast or a diabetic podcast, you know, we're talking just less about diabetes right now, more on the immune system, but tying it back into that, uh, resveratrol can help with uh, insulin resistance by improving um, downstream effects on the mitochondria. So the mitochondria, not only is the powerhouse of the cell, which everyone's programmed to think when they go through sophomore year high school biology, mm-hmm. but um, the mitochondria also is just the met- metabolism like genius of the cell and just helps regulate everything. So resveratrol helps mitochondrial health. Resveratrol also increases concentrations of GLUT4 translocators and those those types of receptors on the cell doors, which we've talked about in terms of how glucose actually gets in the cell. So it upregulates the amount of GLUT4 that's possible, as well as resveratrol has been shown to activate the AMPK pathway, which we've talked about in the past as well, which ends up being a big influence on overall metabolism as well. So resveratrol is great, whatever form you get it. Uh, and if you do get it in the form of red wine, uh, keeping that consideration, like, uh, like you said, Grady, uh, in mind about, you know, just everything in moderation. Yep. So anything else in terms of the cardiovascular health slash elimination system that you want to talk about in terms of supporting that? Not really, just mainly pointing out that when I say elimination systems, I'm talking about your GI tract. So we've talked a lot about that already, um, but also your renal system. So your uh, urinary tract and your kidneys. So getting um, that's a good way of filtering out the toxins and getting rid of them. And so your kidney health and your uh, urinary systems are very important as well in getting those toxins out and fighting off, fighting off disease. So keeping those things healthy is important as well. Gotcha. Okay. So the kidneys, like you just mentioned, Dr. Grady, uh, are part of your elimination system, but your kidneys actually like can create a lot of hormones and are involved in a lot of just regulation of your body besides just urine output, Mm -hmm. which maybe not the, you know, non health professional might think about in terms of kidneys. And so your kidneys actually, I want to make a point as this is immune conversation, are one of the last stops to turn vitamin D into its full activated form. Mm-hmm. Yep. And vitamin D is, is extremely important in your immune system and not just for you know your skin health and, and things like that, but vitamin D is important for modulating your immune system. Yeah, so 
like you said, it, it's important for modulating the immune system, and that's not only in fighting infections, but also in autoimmune um, conditions. So, you know, obviously we're a diabetes podcast, so um, diabetics, autoimmune disease. So vitamin E can really help modulate the immune system to dampen that effect of that autoimmune condition, not necessarily taking it away by any means, but um, at least help in some degree. And so that can be very beneficial for people. Um, but also, like we are talking about right now, but in regards to fighting off diseases. So it helps increase antimicrobial peptides in the system. And um, it's been shown to actually be helpful for both viral and bacterial. Yeah, so vitamin D has a very important role in terms of infections because originally, you know, vitamin D was, or, or classically always thought about in terms of bone health and, and calcium phosphate metabolism and that type of balance. But, uh, you know, in past, you know, a couple of decades, they researchers really noticed that on almost all the immune cells, so things like your B cells, T lymphocytes, monocytes, macrophages, dendritic cells, they all have high concentrations of vitamin D receptors. Mm -hmm. And so therefore those cells are really responsive to vitamin D. And not only that, those actual cells can actually convert vitamin D to its active form as well. And so all these immune cells have a direct stimulation from vitamin D. And so that's part of how that vitamin D has that antimicrobial and antiviral activity is through activating those immune cells that fight those types of infections, uh, which are really important. And they also noticed that in those autoimmune conditions like type one diabetes or just diabetes in general or other conditions such as MS, multiple sclerosis, or RA, or inflammatory bowel disease, there's a, actually a deficiency in vitamin D as well. And so they're noticing in these chronic diseases that are involved, that have immune system involvement, there's actually a deficiency in vitamin D on top of the realization that the immune cells are really responsive to vitamin D and help balance um, your T cell profile and those types of things. So Vitamin D is much more than just bone health, but rather, like you were saying, just helps you fight off infections and help as well as just balance your immune system, like in those autoimmune conditions uh, that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very important nutrient in regards to the immune system. Is there some more nutrients that you really like as in regards to uh, the immune system and fighting off disease? Well, I don't want to just go down through all the vitamin letters, but I think uh, we should definitely comment on vitamin A and C. Yeah, definitely. The vitamin A and vitamin C are very important. Vitamin C is one of those that is always talked about, and there's good reason for that. It really helps improve the host resistance, so your resistance to different diseases, and it does that by increasing lymphocytes and increasing the lymphocyte function. It increases uh, interferon levels, which is part of your immune system. It also helps with your antibody response and your also your skin integrity because it's a it's helpful in actually producing collagen, which is part of your skin. Um, so it can be very very helpful for many different aspects of the immune system. It's also very helpful for a lot of other body systems, um, like the cardiovascular system and, and things like that, because it's also very um, anti-inflammatory and um, a good antioxidant. And then vitamin A is another important one that can be very helpful for the immune system. Um, it's 
also good for maintaining the integrity of the skin and the linings of the GI tract and lungs. So those various systems that we talked about before. Uh, but it's also good for the thymus. So it helps with um, the, the growth of the thymus or at, at the very least the reduction in the shrinkage of that thymus. Because like we talked about on the last podcast, your thymus usually shrinks as you get older. So vitamin A has been shown to, in some ways, reduce that shrinkage. Absolutely. You know, that utilization of vitamin A and C for those reasons are really important. And vitamin A has a lot to do with, you know, thyroid metabolism too, which mm-hmm. therefore the thyroid has a lot to do with your overall metabolism. And therefore your overall metabolism can be linked to insulin resistance or your immune system. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things are, are really important in just keeping your, your body from a you know, almost like a top down and bottom up perspective of what we can do to support the immune system. And so it's not just, yes, we all should probably have more vitamins and minerals in in our body, but, you know, specifically for the reasons you mentioned, vitamin A and vitamin C are are really important uh, to not forget about in times like these. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I want to make this clear that these, some of these nutrients and, you know, uh, things that we're talking about, uh, we are, we are making this episode in regards to your immune system and regards to COVID-19 and things like that. And in no way has any of this been shown to directly impact COVID-19, but from a holistic perspective, these are the things that we think about as, as doctors to help support your immune system from an overall approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're so fresh into the COVID-19 that there's really not a lot of research that has been produ- produced because we're so new into it. Right. And so anything that you might hear, uh, yes, it hasn't been necessarily shown for COVID-19, but is again, just shown to support your body. And that's the best thing that we can do, especially if you're locked up in your house is, you know, we should be preparing and preventing our bodies to fight these things off as best as we can with how we live our life. And I think that's uh, where you and I just come from in terms of doctors is, is just thinking about what we can do from an everyday perspective to fight these chronic diseases as well as when we are presented with more acute type scenarios like we're all living through right now, uh, what sh- should we already kind of have in place or what should we make sure to, you know, actually let's say, give yourself the best fighting chance. So, yeah. Yeah. These acute situations are always a good reminder of what you should be doing anyways. So mm-hmm. the, the diet, the sleep, the exercise, the stress levels, all those things you should be working on all the time. So that way, when you're faced with things like this, you're not so susceptible and you're not stressed out that you're going to get it or you're going to maybe perish from it. But and that's why we preach all the time. This is a this is a lifestyle. You have to constantly be working on this to help make sure your body's functioning at its optimal level. So that way you can be protected by a lot of different things, whether you're talking about infectious disease or autoimmune or whatever condition that you're fearful of getting because this is this is happening right now but if you think that this coronavirus is going to be the last virus or new virus that we face i got news for you we're in an ever-changing environment like garrett said last time and things are going to be coming around new things old things and so your body needs to be ready for them if you're waiting for a um, a new drug or a new supplement that's going to help save you from this I'm sorry, but you can see a lot of people, you're too late. You need to be, you need to stay on top of this. So that way you're already protected um, from these things. 
Right. And, you know, this can lead into a conversation, which eventually we'll have about uh, on the podcast, but, you know, our healthcare and how people traditionally think about healthcare in America is very reactionary and almost qualified as sick care. And, you know, we're in the paradigm of prevention. And, and I think, personally, I think that's what a big thing needs to shift once this dust settles is, is really people figuring out how we can live a more preventative life, not out of fear, but out of health promotion opposed mm-hmm. to reactive to being sick. Yep, exactly. So as a, as a recap, four easy things to do in terms of supporting your immune system is make sure you have enough water and drinking water, the mm-hmm. right amount of sleep and those types of habits, uh, your overall food consumption and how you're eating and what your diet is actually looking like and your stress levels. You know, those are four like superficial. It seems like super easy, but it can be, you know, pretty in-depth conversations, but maybe a little more specific is we talked about probiotics uh, today as well as working on insulin resistance exercises like Gruber exercises um, mm-hmm. from lymphatic flow, uh, resveratrol and making sure that alcohol consumption is, is in check and <laughs> vitamins like D, A and C, uh, you know, are some things that we mentioned today to really help support your immune system. Yep. That being said, uh, Grady, uh, I don't have a bust my beta cells for today. But I do have how I feel. It's not necessarily how I feel f- free from diabetes. It's something I'm excited about in terms of diabetes because yeah. I just I just switched to the Dexcom G6 after uh, maybe a year or so not using Dexcom. And man, using the Dexcom is, is so much more user friendly and just so much more fun <laughs> than uh, the previously what I was using in terms of blood sugar management. So I'm really excited yeah. to have that in my life. Yeah, it is exciting. I'm excited to see what you find with that, the difference between the, um, the one you're using before and, and this new one, because right now I'm not real impressed with, um, the one I'm using right now, which is the Medtronic one. And, um, so I'm interested to see what you find and maybe I'll follow suit and try it out myself. But I know that's not the only thing you're excited about. We mm. have a new doctor in our midst. Dr. Garrett Pano. That's right. So uh, very excited to actually be graduating and and to now, by the time that this is released, officially be, uh, you know, have my doctorate, uh, which is is very exciting because it's just been a long time happening. And before is always just referencing you as Dr. Grady, but, you know, now that I get to actually step in in that, officially step in that role as as a doctor to help people is is super exciting. So yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. And uh, to all our listeners that have listened so far, thank you for, you know, just giving us your ears and, and being part of this conversation because these definitely help a lot of other people. And uh, I, I know, I don't know about you, Grady, but I definitely have had conversations with people because of this conversation, because of this podcast and that we can continue doing that with, with so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can continue to spread, spread and, uh, and gain more reach to people and help a lot more people. Yep. So anyways, I think that's all we got for today. So thanks everyone. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found value in today's conversation, we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review. It really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it. 
If you want to interact with us on social media, you can follow us on The Die Buddies Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or moral outrages, you can email us at thediebuddiespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks.